This podcast is brought to you by BeatStars, the number one marketplace to buy and sell beats. In this episode, our host DJ Payne One speaks to special guest Oboy about how he got started on his beat selling journey using BeatStars. To our pro page users, don't forget to check out our opportunities and challenges on BeatStars World for a chance to work with some of the industry's best creators. If you're not a pro page member, but would like to try it out, use the code PODCAST for a 30-day free trial. And of course, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Enjoy the show. I want to bring on my guest, live from Western Europe. The man who needs no introduction, but I'm really excited to have him on here because I feel like he's more. No, 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 no. Stop with all the modesty. I feel like he's he's one of these guys that had such a meteoric rise to we could call it Internet celebrity. But in, in terms of the online beat licensing space, he's one of the top guys right now. And people like him are always a little mysterious. So the fact that I get to talk to to people like him face to face or people like Othello or, you know, whoever it's it's just a really cool experience. And I, and I appreciate, and now I'm talking directly to you, but I appreciate you for coming on and having this conversation in front of a live audience and, and sharing your story with us. Thank you for having me. No problem. What time is it over there? Uh, it's like nine o'clock in the evening. Okay. Well then I appreciate you for, for doing this, uh, so late at no night. Problem. So let's let's kick things off. Let's we're gonna have some questions coming in live. Um, some of them might be inappropriate because Bufo is in the in the chat and he's notorious for that. So uh, I'll filter out some of the questions and uh, we'll get right into uh, the ones that that I think um, will add to the conversation. Not not that uh, not that he asks any super crazy questions. Every now and then he does. Uh, so starting off, how long have you been making beats? Uh, not that long, actually. Like around four years, I would say. Okay. Um, I started on a on an app, and a friend of mine um, brought me an Ableton Crack like one day, and then I stopped started making it like more serious. So but, you're an Ableton producer. Yes, exactly. I'll be damned. Like I would have guessed FL. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, yes, the most common one, but um, Ableton was the first. Uh, DAW I seen so yeah that's where what I went with have you tried other DAWs or are you just so in tune with the way Ableton works that you're going to stick with it I tried FL Studio uh, once because I thought it would be better for hip hop production for some it was like at the very start of me making beats um, but I I couldn't handle it like every time I could uh, click like the the right click, everything disappears. I was very frustrated, like after an hour, and then I never use it again. Got it. Um, do you have any favorite plugins in Ableton? Uh, in Ableton, yes. Like the uh, the compressors are pretty dope. Like the parallel compression is dope. Glue compressor is dope. Uh, there's a cool stereo widener in there, and the basic EQ is also pretty good. I, actually, the most plugins I use are stock from plug uh, from Ableton. There are some really good Ableton tutorials out there. Are you a fan of any particular Ableton users, like a DCAP or anybody out there that has kind of shown you how to use that program when you first started? Uh, no, not really. I was actually never really a um, tutorial guy. Um, I used to watch Sari, uh, that's a dude, and um, Waf Ninja, I think. But there was like a few videos maybe i i never really had like a tutorial guy i watched regularly for example so i couldn't really point to one so you mostly just went in and experimented and learned it just by exactly. using it uh, yes i'm pretty sure i do a lot of things extremely wrong but i i never uh, had anybody that showed me uh how to do certain things so i just experimented and yeah, some stuff I do, I think it's pretty wrong, but <laughs> as long as it turns out sounding good, I'm good to go with it. Hey, that's that's a key. Uh, 
so you started uploading beats about three years ago, according to your YouTube channel. Is that yes. correct? Okay. And it wasn't until about 11 months ago that you had a beat on YouTube really go viral and surpass half a million views. Um, that's a beat named Masked. Why do you think that beat was so successful? I still don't know. I That's um, very weird because at one point I was uh, not happy with my YouTube channel. I did this like more like a hobby, not really serious, uh, not regularly. And I then tried to make the switch to upload regularly and very high quality. And I was told from by friends that uh, if you do that... Um, one video will go viral someday and it was never the ones i expected to go viral or to be successful it were always the ones uh almost didn't upload so i think at one point uh, when you when you um bounce out so many beats you lose like the objective ear for it you don't really even know if it's like super cool or if it's just cool for producers so um yeah i still don't know why that beat a lot of people liked it. That's the answer, probably. Is that part of the reason? Because you tweeted something, uh, I think, within the last two days about how you just weren't sure if you were on the right path. It was it was something kind of vague, but also something that a lot of producers were bringing to my attention because they wanted me to ask you about it because it was something they related to. What yeah. what is that? Is that is does that play into not knowing exactly kind of what? beats are working because you don't have that objective ear or is it something totally separate yeah it's uh, it's kind of relates to the topic i think when i wrote that i was stuck with another like lack of inspiration and i was frustrated and decided to tweet even though like i don't know it's it's not helpful to just put that helpless negative energy out but i uh, know sometimes you can't help yourself and just tweet <laughs> like frustration um anyways um but yeah, that's. I think that's the hard part to sustain and keep working and keep creating, even though you don't know if your stuff is actually good right now, or if, even if you're not super happy with it, you know? So yeah, it's pretty related to that topic, I would say. So for you with, with uploading consistently, that's what led up to your beat going viral, just a consistent schedule of uploads and yes. higher quality uploads. Yes. Um, as I said, I uploaded uh, for some time, but mostly for fun and not even with a goal. I only signed up with Beatsas like two years ago. Um, and before that, I just uh, have uploaded Beat just for fun. I just wanted to have like feedback or attention or someone to, um, to, uh, to talk to about music production because in my city, I was the only one I knew uh, that actually made like hip hop beats, trap beats or anything like that. Um, and I always liked that. That's why I like the online route. So I think after my first beat already, somebody wrote me like, hey, would you call up and all that. And um, it was like after a year or so, I this, uh, saw some other videos and I decided that I need to step up my game if I want to compete with these um, other fire producers on YouTube. So what changed after that? video went viral did you start seeing an increase in sales did you start seeing uh did it encourage you to continue going forward yes it pretty much showed me that it's possible and when one of your videos like reaches a benchmark that no video before has uh, reached then basically like the whole youtube growth thing right now works by constantly beating your benchmarks, your numbers, like your highest ranking video, you have to top that all the time. And then um, like your your clicks in a, in, in a time period and your retention has to go up like permanently. If it does, YouTube's gonna um, recommend your videos like crazy. So when I saw that one video like does these crazy numbers that motivated me for the first time, because before that I felt kind of invisible. I didn't know, like I uploaded beats, but nothing happened, nothing really much, no big numbers, uh, nothing really like, uh, like it was pretty much this all the time. 
was pretty steady. It wasn't like rising or anything. So that was kind of demotivating. Um, but when that video uh, you were talking about uh, did these numbers, that was really um, yeah inspirational and gave me a lot of ambition to to top that. And that's what I did. And it looks like that beat that we're talking about, you sold exclusively. Yes. Do you regret selling it exclusively? Um, like a month after it, yes. Because there was a lot of uh, offers coming in and that were even better than uh, the offer I took. But um, now in the long run, no. Um, I'm good. You know, you, you, do, you do some things. Um, everything about this whole online reselling um, stuff is pretty much try and error. And you have to make certain experience to avoid them in the future. That's pretty much it. So, yeah. What, what's your stance on exclusive sales? Do you, do you try to avoid them now that you're licensing more uh, non-exclusive beats? Or are you open to exclusive sales? Um, it depends. Like... If I see a video is um, just uh, to uh, related to non-exclusive licensing, is doing like 1k a month uh, on income, you know, it doesn't make sense to sell it for 1k or 1.5k, you know. But um, at the same time, money is not that important to me. I want to have like um, a catalog of uh, songs I'm proud of. So if I have an artist who says, yeah, well, I need this exclusive, otherwise the, the label or anything won't take it. Um, but we all can only do 2,000 or anything. And at the same time, this beat is not um, like uh, super important to me to have it to uh, license it to non-exclusively. Then uh, I'm good to go with an exclusive sale. Like it always depends on the situation. Sure. Uh after you started, so you, you said you've only had BeatStars for about two years. After you first signed up with BeatStars and started selling beats online, how long did it take you to make your, your first sale? Um, that was funny because um, I had uh, occasionally people uh, wanting to buy something from me um, before I signed up to BeatStars already. But it was all manual. I had to send stuff out after they paid me and stuff like that. I even do, did non-exclusive licensing, um, kind of like Visa does. Or, um, but yeah, the moment, I think before that, before I signed up with Beatsas, I made like 200 to 300 euros or five, $500 um, from music. And I was on track train. I had like 10, 10 beats up or anything like this, the free model one. And then I switched to BeatStars. I wanted uh, to go serious with this beat selling stuff when I feel ready for it, when I really can um, upload beats regularly because I wasn't good enough before it. Anyways, after I um, signed up with BeatStars, I think I made my first $1,000 uh, in the month I signed up on BeatStars, right on the first month. Um, and it was like five to six leases and like one exclusive that was um there was uh four digits something along one thousand dollars and that was huge to me at uh, at that time so you said something interesting you said you didn't start getting serious about licensing beats online because you weren't that good at the time when did you feel that you were ready what what changed in your process that showed you that it was time for you to, to really take this seriously yeah as i said like before that i uploaded mostly for fun and i didn't even know about online beat selling like my friend dejan beats he told me about it and i couldn't believe what he was saying that people were making like a lot of amount of uh, a big amount of money from 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 their hobby so um and then i started lo looking up some guys some uh, some people are like musically, some people are like more like business-wise. Anyways, um, and I saw that like musically they are way ahead of me. Like they have a way cleaner mix, super boomy low end, and everything I like about hip hop and uh, or music product, hip hop music production. And uh, yeah, that's when I took like two months off of uploading and just focused on my mixing, on my like on on. I just tried to create a more clean product 
Um, and shortly after that, um, I also sped up my, um, my frequency of uploading. And that's that. And I said to myself, like, if I do this for six, seven, eight months and nothing is happening, then I'd, I'm going to treat this as a hobby like I did before. But uh, I think that is the road that actually could make it successful and make it also, um, uh, and also uh, make it like very profitable. And yeah, that's what I tried. And I think after six to seven months, I suddenly saw like all these results. And yeah, I'm pretty happy I did it. <laughs> did it. At the time when you decided to give yourself, you know, that six month timeline, did you have a job? Were you in school? Uh, I was in law school. Um, I was, that was the point. I was uh, about to graduate like one month before I signed up on BeatSource. No, two months after I signed up uh, on BeatSource, I was writing my final exam in law school. And I said to myself, yeah, you spend all, all this time here. You should maybe focus like on your career, on uh, on studying and all that. And that's why I said to myself, you know, if you if you spend so much time on this, at least do it like seriously and try to try to try to maximize what you put into it. And yeah, I um, I had Carl Jr. He's also on 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 Beatsars, a very fire producer. Um, he uh, he gave me some tips um, on how to like organize yourself and present yourself on your channel and your whole musical catalog. And that helped a lot. So did you end up finishing law school or did you quit? To, to no, I, gra I graduated. I graduated, but um, yeah, it was, it was pretty great. I graduated and then I had the time to focus on music completely. And that also ha helped a lot. What were some of the tips that this other producer gave you that you that you would say really helped transform your whole process to the point where you're able to make all that progress? He was uh, very successful at the time um, getting views on his channel. And uh, we were work working together. Um, uh, and I asked him one day if he can give me some tips. And what he explained to me was pretty much what Anne Chamberlain explained on Producer Grind 2. Um, my channel before was very all over the place. There were all kinds of type beats, all kinds of artists, like R&B type beats from Bryson Tiller, then all hard beats to, I don't know, Migos, like every artist, almost every artist was featured on my channel because it was a channel I made for fun, you know. I just wanted to show some beats and learn um, during the process and I didn't focus on anything. And he said, you know, you, you're a brand, you have to... Um, you have to focus on something. And uh, yeah, that's also what Ann Chamberlain explained. If you uh, try out um, a variety of beats and you see one style of beats uh, blowing up, getting views, getting retention, then focus on that because people want to see that from you. YouTube, um, the YouTube growth uh, works around the idea that you constantly, that you have to find an audience and constantly um, impress that audience. So um, by only like making one style of of beats or aesthetic, um, YouTube it makes it easier for YouTube to box you in and suggest your product to uh, uh, um, um, like the right people, you know. Sure. And that's what I try to um, form my my channel into not like completely one-sided I, I wanted it to make more more diverse but also but all within a certain aesthetic um because i saw some channels that focused like on one style and that one style became unpopular and then the channel immediately died after it um that's why i tried to like switch it up a little bit and try to make it more sustainable i would say Okay, yeah. I want to talk about that shortly because that's that's a really difficult no balance to achieve, and you have to kind of be forward thinking and and really pay attention to to trends. Um, here's a question from Bufo that isn't inappropriate. So he he's asking about your, the first thousand dollars that you made when you first signed up to B Stars. Did 
did that first thousand come from people that you already knew? Was it YouTube traffic or was it just marketplace pro page? It was, I think it was pretty mixed. Some were, uh, some non-exclusive, uh, leasing sale was from YouTube, but most of it was, was actually from BeatStars and the guy that bought my beat exclusively for more than a thousand dollars. Uh, there was somebody I never heard of, and before that and after, <laughs> I was just super happy that somebody would pay so much for my beat. So you point. didn't get playlisted or anything like that? It just no, it was no, no. all organic. Wow. I had I had less than thousand subscribers on YouTube, I think. On YouTube, okay, and you're you're yeah. you're close to a hundred thousand right now, right? Yes. So I think I had. Eight thousand uh, subscribers at the start of the year, so it mm. it went pretty fast. Like, the, um, yeah. Well, that's good. So eight. You started twenty twenty with eight thousand, and you're probably going to start twenty twenty one by hitting that hundred thousand benchmark. How okay? So since you graduated law school and decided to focus on making music your main source of income you haven't had any other job you're just 100 percent a music producer right yes right now okay and that's what I, well. I had like yes that's going well i i had little jobs but nothing serious i was like working at a gas station or working as a waiter but it was all um, during law school just to make some money to pay your rent but nothing really where i uh, tried to establish a career or anything when you were in law school, what what specialization did you focus on? Um, on financial uh, law, like stock markets, stuff like that. I liked I like that because it's always about a huge amount of money. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, okay, but that's a good question. So, are you um, are are you Investing a lot of your your income right now is that part of your overall financial strategy? Um, no, not not a huge part. I'm actually right now figuring out um, like how much taxes I have to pay and all that. Oh, I'm currently shit. in uh, in uh, in in uh, yeah in discussion with the with the German. Uh, uh, government <laughs> all that yeah um but besides that i i invested like a little in bitcoin and made some money uh, in there too but in traditional stocks not yet um i'm i'm not not an expert on this i just um tried out investing a little bit but it's more like a hobby it's not i don't have an idea what i'm doing to be honest so okay a lot of producers starting out selling beats online are really paralyzed by the fear of the music business specifically the legal side whether it's copyright and intellectual property law whether it's the fear of lawsuits you know just a lot of really um extreme hypotheticals that they allow to stop them from moving forward does your background in law help at all with your outlook on on some of these concerns yeah a little bit for sure because i i know like my basic rights i know um that i don't have to uh write into my mail yo this is my property if you steal it i'm gonna sue you or anything this is like 100 percent clear when i send that uh, email without like copying that text into it um you know how some producers do um so i I don't know it's it helps because uh, you understand like where law comes in and all that but if you're asking me if i can get a contract by a label and read it and yeah this that's that looks all right and sign it that's not the case because this these type of contracts are especially for entertainment lawyers even regular lawyers get get dragged over these contracts because they have no idea what they what they're reading all these terms have a significant meaning and you have to be like in the scene in the in the branch to understand what it what it actually says yeah i think that's what the interesting thing about law is i I know that i've had situations when you know someone 
like a, a rapper or an independent label had a lawyer that was their friend, but he was, you know, a, a real estate lawyer or maybe she yeah. was a financial lawyer or something. And then they tried to contact me and talk about music business and say, I'm an attorney. And it's like, yeah, but you don't know anything <laughs> about music. It, it's really, it's, it's a different world. I think that's the, kind of the deceptive part about a law degree. It's not at all all encompassing. Yeah. Yeah, they could they could rip me everything in my underwear, and I wouldn't notice. Some of these contracts are so well written; yeah. um, you have to get an expert on that. Especially if it's like a contract for a song that is um, probably going to be big. Okay, so let's talk about songs that are probably going to be big. Um, number one, congratulations on going gold. Thank you. Did you Appreciate get the plaque it. already? Uh, no, not yet. I th I think I have to order it myself, and uh, I'm a, I I want to wait. Maybe um, that is going to be platinum. <laughs> Who knows? Well, uh, hey, get both. Why not? You got. It looks like your wall is kind of <laughs> empty. You got space, man. So it's, um, it's very empty. Yes. Let's talk about this. So way back in December of 2018, you released a beat that ended up getting picked by the comedian Drip Report for a song called Sketches. How did that even happen? How did he find the beat? You know, what was the next step from there? Um, he just randomly stumbled across it on YouTube. That's the magical game you play when you um, when you upload beats to YouTube. You know, you every time you upload a beat, you give it to a lottery, and it can turn out to an amazing situation. Um, and yeah, I think I, I had the chance to sell that beat before Drip Report contacted me twice for uh, more than $1,000, and I didn't do it because the beat was special to me, and I'm incredibly happy that I didn't do it because in January he contacted me and said, yo, I made this song, um, and yeah. And ever since then, I think it it gained traction at the end of uh, January, and we uh, we had a phone call, and we like each other. We come from a similar background, um and yeah we have a good relationship and i'm super happy about the situation and how popular the song is and how many people are enjoying it yeah what was what was that conversation like because is drip report signed to a, a label or he's doing it all himself he's doing it all himself um at that time when we when we had the call he was telling me about it that um, you know he, he he wanted to make original content, and that also brings the chance to finally make money off of um, his passion um, and that kind of stuff. I could relate to uh, to that a lot. And uh, yeah, because the song got copyright striked first by someone who also used the beat, but we could settle that quick. And, uh, yeah, then after the song became, um, I think it surpassed, surpassed like 2 million streams on Spotify. And I told him, yo, I'm going to give you this beat. I, I like the song and I think it's going to be big. And, yeah, then I pretty much gave the beat to him. Oh, so he first just used it as a lease, a non-exclusive lease. Yes, he, has a non, he had a non-exclusive license the first month. And then with all of the attention that it got, obviously, well, not obviously, I should ask you, with regard to royalties and, and master splits and everything, how, how was that done? And did that uh, benefit you more than selling it for an upfront fee? Um, yet we first had that non-exclusive license and some industry people heard that and they tried to buy the copyright from me. Um, and they bet like ridiculous amounts of money uh, when they got the idea that um, the song is going to be huge. Uh, so I was in a very good position. Um, but I said to Drip Report, yo, I want you to have this. And we basically made a deal where you didn't have to pay a big fee, but where would be um, have a, where would have a split on the back end. It's basically more like a collaboration. Um, okay, so you're getting part of the master too, and the yes. and the publishing. Okay, yeah, I mean, then that that was probably worth a lot more than a thousand dollars. I'm guessing. Yes. 
and you takes had, time until the. Uh, sorry, go ahead. It, yeah, it takes time uh, for the royalties to actually come through. Right? Yeah, exactly. I, I have I haven't seen uh, it yet, but I, I my guess is that it is uh, a good number. <laughs> okay, we'll have to do a, a follow up interview then. Um, you've had a couple beats break a million views on YouTube. Angel is one, Baller is another. Uh, what did you do to make those beats so successful? Yeah, actually nothing besides making them and uploading them. I didn't make any big promo or marketing. Um, as I said, it's like this magical lottery that uh, YouTube is. I These beats weren't like the ones I I thought to be, uh, to turn out successful. Um, but yeah, this... This uh, Angel Beat, for example, Yukaza sent sent me that sample, and I made it in like an hour or two, and uploaded it, and f- almost forgot about it. And then it it kept getting views. It was pretty average at the start, but it kept getting views. Same with uh, with Baller. It was pretty average at first, and then it started getting views out of nowhere because people liked it. I think people, uh, I think YouTube um, uh, rewards it pretty pretty big if it notices that people listen to the beat and like it and turn to it like three days later by just searching for it or i don't know by going on your channel and going to a, that exact beat because youtube notices okay there's a path of behavior that um that says us that this is a good beat or this is a good video and yeah both of these videos have a retention around 150 to two minutes. So that's extremely long. That's more than 50% retention. And um, yeah, I think that's why they get recommended so much and have so many views. Yeah, that's really good. My average is a minute 30. So that's, that's, that's uh, the average for, for an average. That's pretty good. It's the same as mine pretty much. Well, okay, let's talk, let's talk about that. Average. So, so you obviously are familiar with, you know, above average familiarity with the way that YouTube works. Uh, do you do you consistently check your analytics, and what are you looking for when you check the analytics of a video? Um, yeah, I used to do that. Now I try to be a little bit more um, unbothered by it, but <laughs> because you it's. It, it shouldn't get to your head too much, but if you want to analyze your YouTube game and uh, st- um, and develop it, then you should definitely focus on your analytics um, and try to make people click and make people listen longer to your beats. Um, that is the key to, as I said, getting recommended more. What was your question? Okay. Well, okay. So how do you? How- What's what's a good way to get people to click on your beats? Because obviously a big part of that is a title, a, a thumbnail. You know, what do you do to make sure that your videos are effective at communicating something to a person that's just scrolling past them? Um, I choose to saturate my artworks pretty much, so they're very shiny and bright and uh, almost uh, neon. Um, yeah, that that's a factor, and I always choose like um, a thumbnail if that gives me a certain vibe. I make sure that the beat has the same vibe, and the artwork has the no, the artwork has the same vibe, and the beat title. Um, that's also something that Kyle told me. Uh, he had like um, a video successful uh, that was successful that, and we were talking about that, and he said it was a the beat was called Wait, and I think it was Young Thug was on the uh, on the artwork and he was in the studio and he had his uh, that spider hoodie on where it says big weight um and i don't know this the um the vibe of the beat also fit like this whole scenery or anything i don't know if that's me being spiritual and inter- um, overly interpreting that but um yeah i think that all, all that has to do with the beat's uh, success yeah, I can't. My big viral beat is just a black and white drawing of a piano. 
I don't know, man. Okay, let's move on. Uh, so did, did you ever use Google Ads for your, your YouTube videos, or has this just all been organic traffic? Um, no, I wanted to get into it, but then my YouTube channel already took off. Um, so yeah, I never, I never spent money on marketing. I tried like the old BeatStars marketing system, but I didn't notice anything that uh, is to blame definitely for that marketing technique or anything. So really your whole strategy is just organic. Yes. So someone asked, and maybe some people missed it at the beginning, but you talked about being inspired by a couple of producers including probably a video that most people are familiar with, which is the Ant Chamberlain uh, producer grind interview where he talked about researching. And I think it was for him, G Herbo type beat. He did a bunch of keyword research either with, I don't know, TubeBuddy or uh, vidIQ and, and figured out the low competition, high search volume keywords. Um, and and for, for you, obviously the keyword that, that was successful for you was Migos type B, correct? Yes. How did you figure that out? Um, I didn't do it um, uh, like Anne Chamberlain. Uh, I didn't research what uh, which um, which gap was was to fill. You know, um, what I tried is after I noticed that my channel was all over the place and I had all kinds of styles and basically like no aesthetic that is related to me. Um, I searched for something where I could like put all my content under one uh, one category, and I felt like Migos was the most diverse beat picking artist at the at the time. Um, they use club beats around 100 BPM, then they um, choose like some up tempo uh, stuff, slow Atlanta type beats, you know, like. Um, so all of the variety of beats that I see myself do. Um, so yeah, that, that was the choice why I picked Migos. So I could just slap Migos type beat on every, everything I, uh, upload, um, that makes it way easier. And then I would use that, that tag, that Migos type beat on every video and increase my chances of, uh, it ranking. Are you, that was my are you conducting? Well, it worked. Are you conducting keyword research now at all? I think it doesn't matter. Um, it only does matter to what, what keywords you choose uh, for your brand to um, to to stand for. You know, uh, like if you more into R and B beats, you shouldn't like use I don't know um, NLE chopper type beats or anything. <laughs> um, but yeah, besides that. Uh, you can. I, I noticed that you can, um, like, uh, delete all your tags on your YouTube video, and the video will perform the same way. Yeah. Uh, Only the title is important. The title. The, the title is certainly the most important. Um, I like putting tags just so I can monitor what's working for me. Because if a tag is working, I want to continue to use it. But yeah, I think I think that's a misconception where. I've even seen producers comment on my video saying, you know, why are you putting tags in the description? You that it doesn't matter. I'm like, yeah, it does matter. <laughs> what are you talking about? So um whatever. Uh I think there's this idea in the producer community, just the YouTube community in general, that the tag section is for tags and the title is for something totally separate, but the title is the most important. Uh you have over 80,000 followers on BeatStars, which is a lot. How did you build up your BeatStars following? Did you use any kind of like free download for a follow or, or how did that work? Yes, uh, I used that option since since I'm on BeatStars. So, yeah, I never th thought about it, but that could be like one factor why I had so much luck, um, you know, getting, getting followers. Um, but... Especially BeatStars, it's like I, I put all my effort on YouTube because I saw more potential on there. But on the way, um, I built such a big platform on BeatStars and I didn't even notice it uh, a long time. Um, I just noticed that I suddenly had 3,000 followers like in two months. I gained them uh, in 2019. 
and it was so random and yeah i don't know like considering pizzas i didn't definitely didn't have this strategy i had this um follow for uh, free download um up but that's it well it, it seemed to work do you do you notice are you checking where your your sales are coming from do you do you notice that most of them are from youtube or are a lot of them from beatstars marketplace searches uh, i didn't check for a long time i have to do it again but the last time i checked it was pretty much 50 50 or even more from youtube yeah i, I i've noticed too that a lot of people are just now using they're going directly to BeatStars to search for beats rather than going to YouTube to search for beats that yeah. direct them back to BeatStars. It's interesting. Yeah. BeatStars is underrated in terms of um, of uh, of directing people to your content. I thought it was just like my platform to sell beats, and that's it. And I have to direct people to go uh, to go there and purchase beats. But it actually turned out the other way around that people discovered me on BeatStars and. That's why I'm incredibly grateful for this platform. So I went back and listened to your very first uploaded beat from three years ago. And Don't I'll be it. honest with you. Yeah, well, the, <laughs> it sounded good. And obviously the mixing has gotten a lot better since then. Your drums really hit hard and your mixes are clear and there's a lot of space for vocals in them. Uh, and you, you told me you took two months off to really focus on the quality of your beats and mix quality was, was one of the biggest elements in, in that growth. What's the biggest lesson you learned about mixing beats within that time period? Putting a soft clip on your master. I needed two years to, to get that or like one and a half year. <laughs> like that changed a lot. Um, and besides that, uh, don't um, like overdo EQing and effects and all that. If you're... Um, if you're happy with the sound, don't change too much. Uh, and yeah, besides that, like bring order into your mix, use high quality samples, use a soft clipper uh, for more advanced people. Like uh, use a soft clipper that um, mess with the with the with the with the options of the soft clipper and choose your soft clipper uh, of your favorite choice. You know, try out several soft clippers that. Um, that uh, and choose one for your sound because I think they don't sound the same at all. So what what advice do you give for kick and and bass mixing? Because I know you you really uh, focus on the low end and the punch of the kick and and the width of the bass as well. So what was something that you learned about that since you mentioned it? Um. I oftenly uh, like edit 808s that I like um, before and basically pre-mix them and put them in my own drum kit. Um, and the other point is, especially for kick and 808 combos, um, if you notice that it doesn't sound super clean, try reversing the polarity of the kick or the 808. It's, it's, it can magically solve your mixing problem. <laughs> So what what equipment do you use for mixing? Do you use headphones, monitors? Do you have a reference sub? Um, I have super minimal gear. I have only uh, Yamaha HS5s, the, the smallest ones, um, because I have a very small room to work in. Um, and yeah, besides that, like an interface. Yeah, it just the HS5 monitor, monitor speakers, that's it. Oh, so you don't you don't do headphone mixes? You don't use a sub or anything? No, only when I'm traveling. And I own like on I, I, last time I worked, I worked on the AirPods. So, do you often listen to tracks that have good mixes and compare them to your mixes to try to achieve a certain level of you know gain staging and so forth? Yes, in that period of time where I try to find my my sound my my way of mixing. Uh, that's what I did all the time. I, it, uh, I, I had beats that I liked uh, in terms of mixing. For example, I remember I stumbled across uh, a beat by Getro, um, and I thought to myself, like, why is this so punchy and so boomy and the low end is so, I don't know, so crispy? 
um, and several other uh, people um, or, or beats I've seen that I just liked. And I wanted to have like a similar crunchy, uh, crispy, I don't know, mix. Um, and that's when I started to make beats uh, and export it all the time. Export it, listen to it in the car, on the uh, on the headphones, on the laptop speaker, on the iPhone speaker. Um, and I did this like 20 times on super basic beats. I just wanted to hear like, especially the like the kick, 808 combo and um, yeah, also the melody and other stuff. And like, I think after two months, I was content with, with the quality on every device up to the car. So zooming, zooming out a little, what does the, the process of starting a beat look like for you? Uh, I usually start with the melody, um, but not all the time. And I always try to switch up the process, like um, start with the drums, for example, make something super extraordinary um, and then try to find a melody for it. But yeah, when I start with the melody, I usually try to focus on rhythm first. And then I go into harmonies and all that. But besides that, it's just ear. I don't have like a technical approach. I usually just try stuff out until something sticks with me and where I hear, hear like uh, um, something continuing, you know? Here's a question for you. With regard to marketing beats, what are some of the mistakes that you see new producers make when they're marketing their beats? Uh, devaluing your beats by either say you know purchase 20 for 20 dollars or something i think that um I, i i see the point but i mean we were all there i see the point you want to make a sale and um and you make these offers but the, the only um signal you send is desperation and you kind of devaluing your product that's what i would say but that may be um just taste um, and also, like um, I said before, that I didn't market my beats, um, and that's what I believe in, um, because um, I think your product has way more. Um, I don't know how to say it. It just seems way more luxurious um, if you don't rub it in people's faces, you know. Just buy it. You can buy it here. Um, just put it out there. And if people want it, they're going to come to you. That's pretty much my uh, yeah, my motto. <laughs> so you've probably answered my question already. So have you, you, you don't really ever do paid advertising. No. What, what, so beyond just YouTube and beyond uploading Beats to Beat Stars, What are some other ways that you bring traffic to your brand? Some organic ways that you bring traffic to your brand without, you know, shoving it into people's faces and and just trying to close a sale all the time. Mm, that's a hard question because, as I said, I, I I never really tried like any smart marketing moves. For example, Drip Report has like all these ideas for for good marketing, and uh, some some producers I work with they have like super creative um ways of marketing themselves um but i never had that i kind of stumbled into this and i still can't believe like how much happened like with what i did um uh, i don't know i have to i have to think like if i remember anything specific i've done uh yeah but i i can't name anything right now do you use email lists or anything at all no Not wow, okay. Do you that, like that whole uh, click funneling wave that that went over my head? I don't know. I uh, yeah, I never did it. I don't even know how it works. <laughs> well, with with regards to something like a, a, a uh, you know the topic of of customer service, customer retention, do you have conversations with customers? How do you retain customers? How do you make How, how do you turn one sale into a relationship? Um, yeah, obviously by um, being friendly and supportive and valuing that you have people that actually want to purchase your work 
like as a big compliment. So you have to be grateful for these people. And uh, um, like until a few months back, I always try to be uh, like the perfect support you could have if people have any issues with my beats or um, anything is not working or uh, a track out is missing or anything like that. I always try to fix that as soon as possible. But now I'm going to have to be honest, like I'm um, even I turned out pretty bad in, in, in kind of in, in terms of customer service because I get so many emails like right now I'm just um, uh, what is it overwhelmed yeah overwhelmed and I um, I'm not organized enough and I don't have enough manpower like to to sort out okay this is a serious inquiry for help or for support or anything and this is just someone who can't read uh, YouTube descriptions um, you know that's uh, like it's really hard like to um, to guess like right now um, who actually wants help and who is just like bullshitting me or something. And that's happening a lot right now. I have to delete like around 100 emails every day. Uh, my email is constantly full. Like it's, it's very hard to, uh, to, to, to live up to that standard that I ha used to have like four months ago. <clears throat> yeah. Do you ever think that it's going to get to a point where you allow somebody else to, to parse through your inquiries and I don't know if it'd be an intern or a significant other or a family member. Do you, do you ever see that happening for you? Uh, I don't know. Um, right now I don't uh, see anybody that is competent enough and in the scene enough, like, and crazy enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's true. Um, yeah, to do that. But, um, in the long term, I have to figure out a solution because this right now, I'm not happy with how it's going and how many people I let down by not being able to respond to everyone because I see people like ask me for two months, like, yo, um, I don't know, is can I do this and this? And I actually want to answer, but yeah, the time is just missing. Yeah, well, that's that's what's so frustrating about this space that we're in because you know, it's the DMs, it's the emails, it's the comments, it's, it's, I even, um, have a, a phone number out there that people can text me on and 90% of all the messages I get are people, either other producers saying, Hey man, I really love everything you're doing. You're amazing. Hey, listen to my beats and share them and check them out and sell them and help me. You know, it's just like, damn bro. Like, I have to go through all this just to get to the people that actually care about what I'm, what I'm doing to the, and, and, you know, it's hard to make a living when, you know, it's like most at a traditional job, you go to your job, you do your work, you get paid, right? For us, we're, you know, metaphorically speaking, we walk outside and there are people in our faces that we just have to get through them just to get to the, to our job. And then once we're at our job, there are more people in our faces that aren't necessarily there because they want to work with us or do business with us. They're just there to waste our time. And it's, it's hard. I, I haven't figured out how to balance that. I haven't, I, I, I do have, um, my girlfriend helping me with, with my DMS. Um, cause there are just so many. And, but you know, then it's like, uh, she's yelling at me from upstairs saying, Hey, you haven't answered this DM for something. <laughs> it's just, no matter how you look at it, it's, it's always going to be overwhelming, but I'm like you where I want to help everybody that needs it. Um, and, and that's something, you know, I, I never thought making beats would be a customer service position. I thought I was just going to make beats. Yeah. yeah. Same. How many hours a day would you say you, you put into this business? Um, like you know, just replying to the DMs, emails, and all this in Christ. Yeah, maybe like t I try to reduce it to two hours a day because um, if I overdo it and like check every every time uh, and check my phone every time it rings, for example, then I would have no time for the actual creating and from my family and friends and all that. So uh, it's definitely important like to to stack up a limited amount of time that you uh, put into this because it's uh, also a lot of craziness out there. 
um, I since I surpassed hundred um, thousand subscribers on YouTube, I have so many people that just send me links. Like they don't even explain themselves. So I just send the link uh, in my in my inquiries on uh, in the DMs, or I don't know, even super rude requests or straight up scams. Like since I surpassed that mark, like there's a lot of just bullshit, and yeah. But uh, a lot of people are also super kind and um, sometimes I get mad about all this bullshit in my DMs but uh, I have to remind myself how grateful I can be for all these people that, that brought me here uh, just because I like my music like it's super magical and that's the thing that should outshine everything else and that sounds like <laughs> sounds like you're in my head uh, how often yeah, I, I do you, oh, let, let's get away from it because you the, the psychology part is just so crazy because, yeah, it's it goes between just like you said, it's like what an amazing job I have to make music that people like enough, you know, to pay me for. On the other hand, why the fuck am I getting death threats every day on my social media? <laughs> you know what I mean? Where Where is why does it have to be these two extremes where it's like, yeah, I, know. I, have, I have an amazing life and this person wants to kill me because I interviewed somebody who talked about their keyword strategy. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> yeah, like it's, it's surreal, man. Anyway, uh, let's, let's get back to the easier questions. Um, are, are you on an upload schedule? Yes. I try to upload every second day or at least every third day. If I, if I, I can't live up to that. I don't know if this quit. I don't know if this question is for me. I don't know because my girlfriend's in charge of my DMs. But <laughs> yeah, I see the question. <laughs> this is the this is the type of question that I was talking about. Anyway, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, you I don't mean, have to answer it. <laughs> no, it's no problem. I mean, it's uh, let's let's be honest. It it happens more uh, suddenly for some reason. But you know, I got a girlfriend, and I was never interested in like texting and all that and getting to know girls online it's uh, dangerous man that. people are crazy yeah yeah super dangerous um i always i think like yeah getting to know each other in person is always better so i don't care even when like girls would text me on instagram or anything here's a good question do you want to answer this um yeah i would if i <laughs> would understand mandarin <laughs> Yeah, I don't. But that hey, that's uh, impressive yeah. that you that you um could could uh discern Mandarin from various other uh languages with, with <laughs> similar characters. Uh yeah, what else? science. So Black Friday's coming up. A lot of people are planning their their Black Friday sales strategies. Are you planning any kind of bulk deals or discount codes? Not yet, but I have to, I think, because I have to give back. Uh, I didn't have any sort of these deals yet, at least for the last year. I didn't have any like that, anything like that. So I think I'm going to make one, you know. Um, yeah. Are you running any, any bulk deals currently? Uh, yes, I have um, a, a three for the price of two bulk deal. Did you notice an increase in sales once you started uh, with the with the bulk deals? Um, no, nothing specific, I would say. But as I said, it's very hard to tell because, like, every month I make like these changes and these changes and these changes, and sometimes nothing happens, and sometimes it does happen. But at the end of the day, you don't know exactly um, which change to blame for, you know, the the success that came. Um, I, I noticed a lot of people buying exactly three beats, so I assume that it uh, has to do with the bulk deal. I think this is an easy enough question. Are you German? Yes, I'm German. Or I live in Germany. I'm not necessarily German, but I live here. Oh, that wasn't an easy question. That was pretty nuanced. Oh, hold on. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Damn it, man. All right, hold on. Let me get out of there. We're running out of time. I want to respect your time. Um, how do people follow you? How do they check out your content on Instagram, YouTube, BeatStars? Where, where do they go? 
Um, my Instagram is at uh, oboyprod. Um, and yeah, my YouTube channel is just oboy. And yeah, I also have a Twitter account. I made that last year just to tweet out bullshit that goes through my head. And yeah, that's pretty much it. I don't have a big social media appearance or anything. I just made it so I could, uh, you know, text easier and uh, make the contact easier. Okay, shout out to whoever is behind the, the BeatStars account right now. Here are all of O'Boy's um, social media and Beat Store links. Where, where did you get... This is actually, this is a really good question because here's something I noticed. I know that you're kind of... I don't know if this is intentional or you're just modest or whatever, but you're, you're, you're kind of saying that all of your success was by and large accidental and it just happened. Um, your, your branding seems to be really intentional. And when it, that's the wrong freaking comment. Hold on. Your, your, your visual branding is all consistent. Your producer tags are, I would say exceptionally, good and effective because they're memorable they're not just you know a random person saying your name uh you know they're not the -the run-of-the-mill producer tags and then in addition to that you know your your name kind of creates this whole mystique around your sound so how, how how did you approach your name how did you approach your producer tag all of that added to your aesthetic which is something that you're very conscious of yeah, I mean, the name itself, the O-Boy name was just a random name I thought of. Um, I thought of, um, I, I seen an interview with Tyler, the creator, and he said that uh, the word got to look cool. It don't have to be, have the, the biggest meaning or the biggest wordplay or anything else. It just has to look cool. And that's why I picked O-Boy. And also because I thought that's what people would say if they hear like a great beat, <laughs> anything like that. Um and yeah, of course it didn't, uh, of course everything wasn't uh, like accidental, um, but most of it is, and it was like try and error. I just tried out stuff that I thought would work, but um, I tried out so many things that I can't really trace it down to like that one thing that made the change. Um, that's my problem. And um, like in terms of aesthetic and visual appearance, uh, what you mentioned like um, I picked up that whole ski mask theme like more than one year ago, um, just because I thought that is a uh, there's a pool of pictures I could use first. Um, I don't expose anyone to to views because the face is covered. It has like this loose connection of to hip hop. Um, it's mostly colorful and has like that art. It all um, it often has like the art type of vibe, like, um, and yeah, and these were all things that played into something I could see uh, myself embracing as an aesthetic, uh, and that's what I did. And I think like this, um, this continuing um, aesthetic is a good thing because people see your thumbnails and immediately trace it down to to a specific creator. Um, so that was helpful, definitely. I would uh, I would say that's that's true. Um, and yeah, considering the tags, uh, I have to thank Tessie Jizzup. Um, he made my uh, this shit banging tag, and it was his idea, even I think, um, to say that. And um, the other tags I have, I have like eight, <laughs> um, but I only used three. Uh, these are like uh, always snippets I found online. For example, like this conversation tag that I have in some beats that is uh, from uh, an interview by Charlie's Throne and um, Zach Galifianakis. Th- that's the one where they where, where they, they have the conversation. They watch his name and then they say, yeah, oh, exactly, boy, exactly. Over. Yes, I I cut it up a little, but it's from Between Two Ferns. This like satire. Um, show by Zach Alphanex. Um, damn, I was gonna add, yo, I, yeah, I wish I asked you this earlier because we are talking about aesthetic and that's all encompassing, so it's not just 
it's not just your sound it's your 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 look and a lot of producers are great at making music but they're not great at design or you know we're not always the best in terms of our visual intelligence um where did you learn that i mean are you using photoshop what what are you what are you doing to create that look and and how how did you get to the point where you were able to say okay this is the aesthetic i want this is my vision i'm actually going to make it a reality um yes as i said the inspiration came from Kyle telling me that i need like the the whole vibe of the video has to match you know the beat the artwork and then uh the 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 the, the title it all has to match and um yeah that's why uh, i think it uh, just comes down to searching for hours on the internet on pinterest on instagram for the right photos for the right vibe if you make the beat and you know you're gonna upload it um like search for a picture that um that kind of mirrors the exact feel that the beat gives you um and what was the last question you asked um uh, I mean, just what, what is your background in, in yeah, what's your, yeah, do you have an, do that, a background do in I visual use? arts? No, not at all. Um, that, that was also just try and error. Before that, I used to cut uh, music videos just in a loop, in an eight-second loop, and play it backwards. That's what I did before I, uh, I chose to use um, stale pictures. Uh, and, yeah, I use Premiere uh, for my videos, and in Premiere, I can saturate the, the pictures and crop them and c add color to it. And that's what I do. But it's also just try and error. I don't have a single idea of what I'm doing. I'm pretty sure, um, like technically, I'm pretty sure I do uh, stuff wrong. But, you know, I care about the end result. And if I'm okay with that, I'm cool. Amen. I think a lot of us are, are doing everything wrong, but it's working. So who cares? wrong is just uh, one engineer used anyway. to laugh at me uh, the way i apply compressors <laughs> that's why i say that oh oh my like, god engineers man i'm afraid to even be around them if i'm yeah, working yeah. on a beat i had an engineer behind me once when i was mixing a beat and i'm just sweating like man get out of here bro like, i don't need you <laughs> i'm sitting and he's looking and like, what are you i'm like is it not okay to pan my hi-hat he goes no 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 it's cool go ahead <laughs> Let me make my damn mistakes. So anyway, once again, man, thank you, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation. Um, I'm going to talk to you. Hopefully, we can have a, a part two uh, sometime in, in 2021 to talk about uh, your your big ass royalty checks from Drip Report and uh, <laughs> you know your your next YouTube benchmark, and, and we can uh, dive deeper into all of that, answer some more questions from the community. And uh, have another good conversation, man. But I really appreciate it. Shout out to everyone that tuned in. This was a very well attended session hope that continues dame will be on on monday at 3 p.m i'll be back next thursday same time same place 3 p.m eastern standard time right here on beat stars live peace everyone